Happy Friday. What is going on? Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Congratulations to the Republican members of Congress who won their annual softball game and uh, were not uh, attempted uh, to be murdered. No attempts on their lives uh, at the uh, annual softball game by any kind of deranged uh, leftist. So good news all around. Uh, yes, I mean, there were some deranged leftists out there, but they were just like screaming about cl- how climate change was going to kill everybody rather than themselves. So that's, a, that's, you know, that's progress. And we do know our friends on the left are all about progress. And so good job, everybody. It was 10 to nothing. It was a shutout. And, uh, well, I, there was one incident. There was one incident. Member of Congress. What's her name? Sanchez. I believe is her name. Sanchez. Yeah. Representative Linda Sanchez, Democrat from California, uh, as she was being replaced by a pinch runner. Uh, because, uh, let's be honest, she was not very fast. And um, she was uh, running past after she got to first base. She got on base, and then uh, she was relieved of her running duties. And as she's running past the Republican dugout, she flips the bird. She flips them off as she runs past. And uh, Representative Pete Aguilar, Democrat from California, was named MVP for the Democrats, which is weird because they were shut out. They didn't score a single run. I'm not sure. Wouldn't everybody on the team be an MVP at that point? Wouldn't everybody get the trophy? Representative August Fluger, Republican from Texas. He was named the MVP for the Republicans. So there you go. Um, File this one under the other team gets a turn at bat. All right. In keeping with the baseball or softball theme, the other team gets a turn at bat. This is something that a lot of people that are engaged in political discourse or even policymaking, but in the general, under the general heading of, uh, of politics, there are a lot of people who think that they just get to do their thing and then nobody else gets another turn. So they get to make their speech. They get to do their action. They get to, you know, gut their opponent. Uh, and then uh, that's it. I win and it's uh, game over. Look at me. Yes, queen, you know, and, and, and walk off, mic drop, whatever, claps, and, and all the emojis. But the other team does get a turn at bat. Let's take a look at Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C., let's go back in time just a little bit. November 14th, 2016. November 14th, 2016. The mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, big fan of her work in Mario Kart. Um, She put out a statement that said, quote, the values, laws and policies of Washington, D.C. did not change on Election Day. We celebrate our diversity and respect all D.C. residents, no matter their immigration status. We are a sanctuary city. Because we know that our neighborhoods are safer and stronger when no one is afraid to call on our government for help and when our police can focus on protecting and serving. Okay, so November 14th, 2016, mayor declares Washington, D.C. to be a sanctuary city. Now, what do you in your mind when you hear the term sanctuary city, what do you think that term means? Well, okay, hang on a second. I probably shouldn't ask you for a definition. Now, yeah, because apparently definitions 
are fluid statements. According to Wikipedia, which has a, it's been a bit of a scandal going on over at Wikipedia over the last 48 hours. Have you heard about this? So Wikipedia, it, you know, people are essentially, you know, volunteers. They, they get, uh, I think they have to pass some sort of a screening process and then they become editors of the pages and the like, and they get to make changes and add footnotes and whatever. So there are a whole bunch of these people and obviously they disagree on some things. And they apparently disagree on what the definition of recession is. I don't know why. All of a sudden, this, this term now doesn't mean the thing that everybody thought it meant for so long. So now there has to be this whole new you know, reworking of the definition. It doesn't mean what, what you thought it meant. And when you see what appears to be a recession, it, it, it can't really be a recession. There are all these other external factors that have to be taken into account. And so Wikipedia has had a fight. They had, there were 41 changes to the definition of recession. 41 revisions in about a week, which then prompted an administrator of the site to lock it down so, so people could not make any more changes. Users repeatedly deleted the definition of... Sorry, I said it again. Definition. So Because Wikipedia also apparently can't figure out what the definition of definition is. This is the chaos wrought by cultural Marxism, by postmodernists, by the critical thinkers, the, this philosophy, this ideology that you know stems from Hegel. This is what we are left with. Chaos. That's the point. This is the point. The chaos is the point. We cannot even communicate with each other because we cannot agree upon, uh, we cannot, uh, agree upon acceptable definitions of words, including the word definition. A definition is, according to Wikipedia, a fluid statement of the meaning of a term. Definitions cannot be easily set into categories as meanings evolve to meet the needs of societal change. A term may have many different senses and multiple meanings and thus require multiple definitions. Which takes us back to the word recession, right? What is a recession? We always thought it was two consecutive quarters of shrinkage, negative growth. Covered this yesterday. Not going to go back over it. But the White House, being you know run by Democrats who are very much online all the time, uh, they need the definition of, sorry, there, I said it again. They need the meaning of the word recession to mean something else that's a little bit more helpful to them in their election uh, and the prospects for winning in November. So, you know, to the battle stations they go, and they're going to redefine the word recession. And look, I am not here to argue, is it or is it not? And how do you identify this word or how do I identify the recession? And all I'm not here to do that. I am here to provide solutions because that's what we do. We solve the world's problems. And so I offer you the term transession. Transession. Yes. Transession. Is it a recession? Is it not a recession? I don't know. We don't know. It's what you thought was a recession. Not really a recession. Definition changed. Sorry. Meaning changed. Doesn't mean the thing that you thought it was or whatever. And if you say the word recession now, that means you're probably a bigot. So we need a new word to describe the thing that we're in. We're kind of 
is a recession but isn't a recession, so I offer transition. You're welcome. I'm a giver. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. The phone numbers, if you would like to participate in the program, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Um, so, yes, I offer the term, just like I selflessly offered another term, low those many years ago, uh, after I stole it from... Uh, uh, a woman who called into the show and, and, and offered it to me. And then I offered it to everyone else. And I've been trying to this, uh, trying to get this term adopted. Uh, much to my dismay, nobody is adopting it. The term votainer. There were plenty of opportunities during all of the election coverage this week. And it was woefully absent. I'm not bitter. Instead of the term vote getter, votainer. So the only... So I'm just going to start using the term votainer, and maybe I'll start up my own Wikipedia page. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. So now the next one is transession. Came up with this last night. We were hanging out in the live stream, and I was like, hey, you know what? Uh, let's get some ideas. And uh, we had some ideas kicked around. There was like the unsession. That was one uh, that was thrown out. <laughs> it's an unsession uh, or an unrecession. Maybe a double plus unrecession. I don't know. But really, if, if you think of it, it's a recession that cannot be identified as such. For some reason, somebody is telling us that our perception of what is is not accurate. And so we have to redefine the thing that we think we know is defined by our perceptions and our previous understanding of the language. And so now I offer transession, transession instead of recession. Generally speaking... Uh, these will only occur during Democratic presidencies, just as a heads up. Okay, so don't be looking for transitions all over the place. It's a very small portion of the total population of recessions. Okay, any recession that occurs under a Republican administration, that's going to be obviously a recession, if not a depression. And sometimes you could just move right past, move right past the recession as if there were like some, I don't know, blockers or something that just, right, it, bam, you, go, you, you move right past recession, go right to depression. There you are uh, under a Republican president. Let's not, let's not overuse the term transition. And um, as I understand it, it can, it can be rapidly uh, onsetting as well. It can happen very quickly. Usually, if other countries, too, are having their own sort of transessions, then you, it can happen very fast. Everybody just kind of, bing, 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 bing. everybody becomes transession. It's unexplainable, really. Um, the other team gets a turn at bat. This, to me, is one of the, this, this is my favorite story so far, I think, of 2022. Although I haven't actually been keeping track. I don't have a list. Maybe I should start a list. But right now, this is my favorite story. And I understand how that must sound like when I start talking about the details. Like, oh, Pete, this is a terrible story because there are people involved. And you know, where's your sympathy and empathy and all of that? And I, I totally understand that. I totally get it. That criticism is fine. 
Um, but I will also tell you that there are certain professions uh, that when you work in them, you, you, you kind of develop a, sort of a gallows kind of humor. Not that this is gallows humor, but um, it's a defense mechanism. And I have been able to parlay that into a pretty successful, fairly mediocre career. And um, I recognize that there are people that are taken advantage of. There are people abused. There's a lot of pain and suffering involved in the illegal immigration issue. I understand that. I've talked about that. To me, it's one of the, uh, it's one of the most uh, obvious lines of attack against the people who are uh, trying to keep the system operating as it is. Because the, you know, the human wreckage that they are leaving in the wake of their failed policies here is, to me, evil. I mean, how, how do you allow the system to continue when you know there is so much suffering involved? But in virtue signal territory, you have a lot of these cities. Charlotte included. Did Charlotte ever make the formal announcement? I wasn't, you know, I wasn't here, so I don't know. Uh, you know, yay, we are a sanctuary city. I think we are classified as that because of policies adopted by the city council. But some cities, some elected leaders, some politicians, they get out there and they actually articulated very explicitly, we are a sanctuary city. And most of that is built around the notion that we have, you know, programs and services. And we have government programs and services, but we also uh, are better than you. That's the that's a very big part of this, right? It's a very big part of it, which is, you know, we're not going to cooperate with law enforcement. We're not going to help anybody enforce any of these uh, deportation or detainer orders or anything like that. We're not going to do any of that stuff because we care more than you. We are better than you. It's a position based on this false sense of ethical superiority. Meanwhile, allowing all of the, the terrible things to happen to the very people they claim to care about because of their policies. But I digress. So the mayor of D.C. declares D.C. to be a sanctuary city, which makes this the most ironic and satisfying story now of the year. That D.C., the mayor, Muriel Bowser, says 4,000, it's actually around 6,000 or so, uh, unauthorized immigrants being uh, uh, let off in her city, being transported to her city by the states of Texas and Arizona, that about 6,000. It's too much. It's too much. We can't handle. Oh, my gosh. We need, we need more help here. We need the feds. Now, maybe the feds will help you guys a little bit more than they've been helping out those small towns on the, on the border with Mexico. Maybe. You know, proximity has its advantages, as does, you know, the partisan, the shared partisan label. But I just find it to be rich and even richer. The White House response to that request. Washington, D.C.'s Mayor Muriel Bowser has requested that the D.C. National Guard be activated indefinitely, indefinitely, to respond to migrant buses, which is weird. Well, they could tell, yeah, you could tell they're migrant buses because the license plates are from someplace else. That's the, they obviously migrated there from somewhere else. 
Anyway, uh, the request also seeks permission to use the D.C. Armory, a multipurpose arena located east of the Capitol building as a processing center as more than 150 buses traveling from Arizona and Texas have transported nearly 4,000 migrants to the nation's capital over the last three months. Bowser and the D.C. Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency initially sent letters to the Office of the Secretary of Defense in a letter on July 19th and to President Joe Biden on July 22nd. Neither letter has received an answer. So that's pretty on brand. Yeah, that's that's pretty on brand, right? Hey, we got some problems with illegal immigration down here. Crickets. Right, yeah, on brand. The pace of arriving buses and the volume of arrivals have reached tipping points, she wrote. (laughs) The pace. Three months, there have been 4,800, they keep calling them in this story at the Washington Examiner, they call them migrants, Uh, These are unauthorized immigrants. That's what they are, unauthorized immigrants. Uh, uh, Contrary to the popular term that a lot of people in the media use, uh, the undocumented immigrants. No, they they do have documents. A lot of times they're forged or stolen, or in some cases they're actually the the notice-to-appear forms, right? You get these papers when you arrive, and so you're not undocumented anymore. You have documents. That's not the problem, right? It's not a lack of documents. It's the status that that then creates the lack of the documentation, and the documentation that it is that is missing is the documentation that says you are here legally. See, there's a thing there. And now I also understand people prefer the term illegal aliens. Uh, I get that, but alien is what happens when you become adjudicated as as well as uh, illegal, and it means something in the law. And when I went over all of this a couple of years back, uh, the term that I came down on uh, or, or came to adopt was unauthorized immigrant because they are immigrants, right? They are coming from different countries. They are immigrating. And so are they authorized to do so or not? They are not authorized to do so. So they are unauthorized immigrants. To me, that's as neutral a term. Anyway, um, 4,800 unauthorized immigrants from the Texas border communities, such as Rio Grande, uh, sorry, Rio Grande Valley, sorry, Rio Grande Valley, or Valle, I guess how you, anyway, Del Rio, Uvalde, and Eagle Pass, 4,800 people. They were sent to D.C. Also, out of Arizona, uh, they started in mid-May. They've had 27 buses carrying about 1,000 people. So if you add it all together, which I can do that math, it's pretty simple, 4,800 plus uh, another 1,000 is about 5,800. So for math's sake, just for easy back-of-envelope computations here, let's say 6,000. 6,000 people in three months. So what does that break down to? 2,000 a month. 2,000 a month, and they're overwhelmed. 2,000 a month, and they're overwhelmed in Washington, D.C. 2,000 is like, I think 2,000 people have crossed the border, I don't know, since my show began. I think that's, is that about the rate that they're seeing down there? This then prompted a, I mean, Look, I'm not one that uh, I'm not a huge Peter Ducey fan. Let me just say that I think he I think he asks some good questions. I think sometimes not so much. Uh, but you know, we're human. We're all human. I don't ask great questions all the time either. Um, but oh my gosh, he won me over with this exchange with the White House press secretary. Uh, oh, why do I keep forgetting her middle name? Karine Jean Pierre. Karine Jean Pierre. KJP. Right? Because uh, that's how you have to refer to. All of the females in government that are 
that are progressives, they get the three letter out, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ketanji Brown Jackson. Anyway, oh, she has a bobblehead now. Did you see that? Yeah, the new Supreme Court justice, they got a bobblehead of her, which is not at all weird. No, not at all weird. Um, Peter Ducey questioning the White House press secretary about this request for additional support to handle what the mayor of D.C. said is a tipping point due to the pace of arriving buses and the volume of arrivals. D.C. mayor sent the White House a letter asking for National Guard help with migrants that have been bused here from Texas and Arizona. Is the president going to approve that request for the National Guard? So as uh, to your question on the National Guard, I refer you to the Department of Defense. They will have uh, that answer for you. Uh, we have been in regular touch with Mayor Bowser and her team. Uh, and I said this before, I said this last week about Republicans using migrants uh, as a political tool, uh, and that is shameful, and that is just wrong. No. Uh, there is a process in place for managing migrants at the border. This is not it, what they're doing currently. Uh, that, that includes expelling migrants as required by court order under Title 42, uh, transferring them to ICE custody, or placing them in the care of local NGOs as they await further pro pro uh, processing. Again, so what Republicans are doing, the way that they're meddling in the process and using uh, migrants as a political pawn is just wrong. So the White House's preference would be for small towns in Texas and Arizona to have to take care of these migrants rather than a large metropolitan that is city not what like I said. Washington, D.C. That is not what I said. That is what that, you said. No, you said, not, said that there is... All right, see, so this is where I think Ducey messed up. He reframed what she said. She, and she is correct when she's pushing back and replying that that's not what I said. No, that's not what, you, uh, that's not what she said. That is true. She did not say those words. But Ducey's point is correct. But he's asking, but he's trying to put the words in her mouth. So you're saying, you know, oh, so what you're saying is, no, it's not what I said. And it gives her this escape hatch. Because the real question, and I think he actually stated it as a question, is the president's preference for those towns to keep them. That's the question. So, it, so are you saying that the president has a preference that these people need to be kept down on the border and the towns down there, they need to handle this. They need to figure out how to handle an influx that's even greater than what D.C. has seen. Is that the preference? That they stay down there versus come to D.C.? Because she is saying that they shouldn't be bused to D.C. She is definitely saying that. Yeah, they are. They're sending migrants to big cities on purpose, so using they, them as a political ploy. So if they don't go to big cities, where should they there's go? There's a process. I just there's laid a, it out. There's, there's a, process, a process. And they come to a big city, and now that, that the is, mayor says she needs the National Guard. That's so. because that's because Republicans are using they're using migrants who are coming here for. Who knows? Uh, because they are, they're, they're dealing with humanitarian issues back in their country. They're coming here for a better life, and they are being used, Peter. They're being used by Republican governors. That so, are you, so are you saying they're being used? Uh, um, just to be clear, she is so bad at this job. She really is. She is bad. She and because the whole time she's saying this stuff, she has her little book in front of her, and she just keeps looking down and reading the words. They're being used. Do, they're being used. Shameful. It's wrong. It's meddling. The other team gets a turn at bat. If you're going to be in the business of letting people come in, giving them a notice to appear, releasing them, and in some cases, putting them on planes and sending them all over, putting them on buses and sending them all over, 
knowing that they're not going to come back and appear for their deportation proceedings, right? This is the catch and release program. This is what you guys have been doing. You've been meddling. You've been shameful. You've been wrong. You've been using migrants as a political, uh, what did she call them? Political pawn or ploy in one point she called them that. The other team gets a turn at bat. If you don't like the way this game is being played, you should not have written the rules this way. But you did. See, you did. You guys did this. These are your standards. You set about in motion this mass uh, movement plan where you're going to send people to all corners of the uh, uh, of the country. I've seen people submit that it is possibly focused heavily on putting them into red districts. Sending, yeah, sending these buses into areas where there is there are heavy Republican uh, concentrations of uh, voters. I don't know if that's true or not because they can't get a lot of information. So if you just happen to catch one of the buses and see where they land, and then you know film people getting off the bus or interview them getting off the bus, then you have an idea that the bus even came to your town. But honestly, from a logical standpoint, and dare I say, an ethical standpoint, doesn't it make more sense to bus the people to the sanctuary cities? The very places that claim to be better than everywhere else, more welcoming, right, ethically superior, you're a sanctuary city. Where else should we send them but for those places? It seems to me like that's the best place to go. You guys are all ready for it. But apparently not. Yo. That's my Eminem impression. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So the mayor of Washington, D.C., after just a few short years ago declaring her town to be a sanctuary city, now says taking in 2,000 unauthorized immigrants a month has uh, created the tipping point. Our collective response and service efforts have now become overwhelmed, overwhelmed in D.C. Tragically, many families arrive in Washington, D.C. with nowhere to go, or they remain in limbo, seeking onward destinations across the United States. Oh, she's so close to grasping the issue. So close. So what is this that... Why... They remain in limbo, seeking onward destinations. Well, that's what they got to go to D.C., right? They got on the bus in Texas or Arizona, and their onward destination was to D.C. Why why are you trying to kick them out? Are you racist, Mayor Bowser? Is this racism? Sounds like it. I'm only supposed to view everything through the racial lens. And it sounds like if you are opposed to these people showing up in your town, then I think it has to do with race or ethnicity. It might be ethnicism, ethnicityism, prejudice. It could just be discrimination, right? That, that, that is a rat. Why not? This is your rules. These are your rules playing by your rules. Now, this is why, like when I heard that governor Abbott and governor Ducey, uh, we're going to do this. I support it. Absolutely. I support it. You've already, you've already let them in. You've already run them through whatever processing facility is down there. And so now it's a question of where do we send them? Right? Where do we send these people? Okay. Well, let's send them to the place 
that made the policy. That claims to be a sanctuary city. That claims to be ethically superior, morally superior to all those knuckle dragon, racist, ethnicists, whatever, bigots down in Texas, right? We're better than you are. Look at us. Okay, here you go. Oh, wait a minute. We didn't, we, we, we don't have the resources for this. Cry me a river, man. D.C. officials such as Bowser have decried this move, claiming immigrants are being tricked into traveling farther away from their intended destinations. So they're looking. See, that's the thing. They're looking out for the people. That's what's happening. Mayor Bowser is like, this is not right. Because they wanted to go to Colorado or Oklahoma, and they instead got sent to Washington, D.C. But this is it really. You ever see the uh, what do they call them? Uh, The old uh, Hooverville, I think is what they called them, right? where they had, like, shanty town set up in Washington, D.C. Uh, during the Great Depression, right? People who had no job, no food, nothing, right? And they, they all just kind of went to D.C., and then it became a problem, right? Now you realize the effects of your policies. You've got people camped out on the National Mall, right? Now that you've got buses of unauthorized immigrants being deposited in Washington, D.C., and now all of a sudden your programs and services are being overwhelmed by the influx of people? Yeah. Now it's a real problem. Now it's real for D.C. Good. Good. This is uh, Bowser's email, or sorry, her letter. Quote, with pledges from Texas and Arizona to continue these abhorrent operations. Why are they abhorrent? Why is it abhorrent to send people to Washington, D.C.? You said you're a sanctuary city. Why would it be abhorrent to send people to a sanctuary? You said you're going to take care of them. You said they didn't have anything to worry about. They would get all of the services. You said you're better than me. Why is it abhorrent when I agree with you? Right? We're already overwhelmed here in Texas. So here, can you take some? Oh, you don't want to take some? But you know what? You're going to take some because we can't take any more. How about that? She calls it abhorrent operations. The situation is dire. She, oh, dire? We consider this a humanitarian crisis. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if you were taking more than 2,000 people a month? Like Texas is. <laughs> right? Could you imagine what kind of humanitarian crisis? Like You might even have to put, I don't know, Kids into large detention facilities that are doubling as processing centers. And maybe they don't always get the best care when they're in there. And maybe you have to have them sleeping on floors and you don't have walls constructed. So you just set up, you know, fences or, or that kind of look like chain, uh, uh, cages, rather. Chain link fences that look like cages. I wonder if we could get somebody inside of the D.C. Armory to take some pictures. Then maybe AOC can go cry in front of that building, too. Right? That's how this works, isn't it? All right, let me go to Steve here. Yellow Steve, what's going on? Hello there, Pete. Hey, what's up? All right, we've got a solution here. Oh, I'm all about solutions. Let's hear it. California needs manpower to fight these forest fires. And we've got all these people coming across the border put a shovel and a pick in their hands and let them help fight the forest fires. And then they're right there in the best place they could be to live. In California. 
Yes. So do, would you? So here's the thing: Would you do it like? Because um, I mean, uh, like honestly, you could be accused of trying to send people to their deaths to a forest fire, right? Because they're very dangerous. That's just, you know, it's a very dangerous line of work. So how about this? Um, if you volunteer to go do that sort of work, then you get citizenship. There you go. Yeah, I think that and might of work. We. We'd give them 15 or 20 minutes worth of training. Right. Oh, yeah, minimum or, or maximum. Yeah, either way. Uh, I mean, because, yeah, if you could just, uh, even if it's out there on the roads directing traffic to tell people to get away from the forest fire, something like that, maybe? Even that. All about solutions. Exactly. I appreciate it, so Steve. Much. That's brilliant. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm writing these down. I'm going to send them to, uh, to Mayor Bowser in D.C. She says... Uh, this is going to overwhelm the D.C. social support network without immediate and sustained federal intervention. A spokeswoman for Governor Greg Abbott out of Texas drew a connection between Washington's latest move and now 10,000 of Texas's own National Guard and state troopers have been deployed to assist with border security for the past year. A year Texas has had to pay the freight on this. Because immigration is a federal issue, Mayor Bowser argued, the federal government must provide immediate federal assistance. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. They want a uh, temporary processing center to be set up at the D.C. Armory. Um, the mission would seek to help the folks on their eventual movement to their final destinations. So wait a minute. The folks in Texas that you said this is ab abhorrent operations and the White House called it shameful, wrong, meddling, uh, using people uh, as political pawns and ploys. Because they're sending these unauthorized immigrants to D.C. You're asking for federal permission to create a processing center so you can help then send those people to other cities. In other words, the same thing Texas and Arizona are doing. Do you even hear yourself? <laughs> Do these people even hear themselves? She said the governors of uh, Texas and Arizona are making a political statement to the federal government, and instead their actions are having direct impacts on city and regional resources in ways that are unsustainable. You don't say. Really? So... Unlike Joe Biden, unlike Barack Obama, unlike Democrats, right? unlike media, unlike all of the people that created this broken policy that we have and called every critic of the policy racist and xenophobic, right? Unlike you guys that have done all of that. Your actions, these policies, these actions have had direct impacts on city and regional resources in ways that are unsustainable. You guys have done that. I remember 20 years ago, here in Charlotte, Mayor Pat set up a task force, an immigration task force, and brought in all of these different you know, uh, agencies. And so he had the sheriff's office, he had uh, you know, local police and, and uh, school system, and all these different people, they all came to this, uh, th these meetings, and they talked about the impacts that illegal immigration was having on their ability to provide core services. 
and it looked at pros and cons. There were people there that said, you know, they'd benefit the community in this way and that way, right? There were pros and cons. It was a it was an overall look at the impact illegal immigration was having on Charlotte Mecklenburg. This is not a new issue. Local jurisdictions have been dealing with the costs associated with these policies for decades. So, welcome to the party. Once again, Texas, Arizona, they got a turn at bat. And it seems like you guys don't appreciate that very much. But you should expect it. Your rules. News is next.